the Literary Lunch Podcast. I'm your co-host, Laura Rothschild. And I'm Sandra O'Donnell. And today we're going to talk about tools of the trade. So let's give it a start with um, writing. Writing, yeah. Um, what we talk a lot about the business of publishing and people are always asking us what software we recommend, what tools and techniques we use. So that's our focus for September. Um, and both Sandra and I share the same writing tools, but independently we write with different software. So you're right. a, you like Scrivener. Yes. And I like Word. Right. We use Word to edit jointly, but I'm a Scrivener person. Um, so tell us a little bit about that, Laura. Why do you like Scrivener? It's a love hate. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do. I love Scrivener, except when I have to export it. Um, the compile thing always screws me up. But um, let's see. Scrivener, I was originally introduced to Scrivener about five years ago, and I've watched it grow up with my writing. And one of the things I love about it is my, I'm, I write fiction, so it enables me to move scenes and chapters around easily and make notes. Um, and when I like to do editing or research, everything is in one place for me. So I can add dates and notes under individually each scenes. I can add uh, media if I want. If I have an image that I want attached to a location, I can attach that specifically to the scene um, as inspiration. I, you know, I can, I can share it. I can export it to, to Word. But I will say when it comes to the compiling and exporting, that's the one area where I've always had some challenges, but there is a, a there are great tutorials on Scrivener's site, as well as on all through YouTube and uh, Scrivener's for Dummies is kind of my highlighted horn edge book that I use. But it also you know another thing is I've used it in when I for coaching other writers I often will import their work. Um, I don't use the the index feature from my own, but you can have a cork board and set it up with index cards and move things around that way. I think it's just more of the, the flexibility. Yeah, I think it's also a more visual tool for writers because yeah. if you're using the fork board, you can kind of see the, the different aspects of your story laid out, whereas with Word, it tends to be a flatter experience. Mm -hmm. It's a more, you know, it really is about the Word. Um, yeah. I, I grew up with Word. I've been using Word since, since it actually so, which makes me feel really old when I say that. You're a word wizard. You're really, I mean, like you zip through word. Yeah. I, I struggle a little bit. The thing that um, I think is important about word, whether you choose um, a, a tool like Scrivener, which really does have tr some tremendous advantages when you're in the, um, the drafting stages. Scrivener is a great tool. It's very powerful. Or a, a, a tool that we've just come across, which is called Storiest, that neither one of us have actually used. We've downloaded it. We're going to play with it and see what the benefits are. Um, but it's getting great reviews. It's getting really good reviews. But whatever tool you decide, the really important thing for you to understand, and I have a couple of, we have a couple of authors we're kind of butting heads with about this, um, is that to be a professional writer, to be an author, mm -hmm. ultimately your work has to go through work. So you have to learn it at some point because most of the big five and most, you know, even smaller publishers use Word um, as their main tool. So once you get with a publishing company and your book has been accepted, 
the editors that you work with, I would say 99% of the time, the editors that you're going to be working with at the Big Five are going to send their changes back and their suggestions back to you, copy editing for you to go through is all going to be done in Word. So if you don't understand that as a basic tool, then down the road you're going to have some problems. So learn to use Word, um, at least basically, in terms of planning and keeping you writing. One is, um, it's a tool that Laura and I just rediscovered. We had used it both separately for other things, uh, but started using it for our business, for everything we do for planning. is called Asana. And it's free, and you can open up a, a free Asana account. And what it lets you do is track um, your project. So you can put your book out there and set some deadlines. You can set tasks. You can say, you know, I want to have this chapter done by this date, and I'm going to send it out to members of my tribe for review. So if you need help keeping your book project on task, the whole project itself, then look into something like Asana. It's a, it's a really great system. And you can actually add the members of your tribe as team members. And when you're done with a particular chapter, if you want people to look at it, you can send it out to them with an attachment right in the task. So it's, it's a really great system for keeping track of your entire project. And then if you're like us, and you tend to get squirreled a little bit. A little. <laughs> and uh, you find yourself looking at... Uh, tweets that are going by, or um, you think, oh, I'll just spend like five minutes on Facebook or something like that, then um, there's a tool called Freedom that I really like. And the thing that Freedom does is it allows you to block anything that you choose to block. So if you decide you want to block Twitter or your social media, Facebook, um, if you want to block the internet, you can even block your browser for a period of time. You set the time, and um, then at the end of that time frame, all of that is available to you again. And there are some overrides, so if you you know get stuck and you really need to research something and you really need access to your internet, you can override it. But the thing that I have found about freedom is it really does give you that freedom. It gives you that space away from all the, the social media temptations to just concentrate on your writing. And there, I've been using it pretty consistently for the, maybe the, I had used it for a while and stopped using it, now I'm back to using it again. And uh, Laura's even gotten to a point where she'll, she'll say, oh, you must have been on freedom because I tried to text you and you know I didn't answer response. <laughs> right away. Because normally if I see a text come up in my browser, I respond to it you know right then. But if I have the discipline to set up something like freedom, then I don't end up, you know, getting squirreled and, and going down that rabbit hole of texting people when I should be writing or working on a query or working on a proposal. Yeah, and for me, you know, I, if you just reminded me, one of the, you said one of the things about Scrivener too, and I've done this since you've introduced me to freedom is, you know, Scrivener you can set word counts, and I love it because there's a lot of project statistics that are yeah. at your fingertips. I'm not a big set of word count minimum or maximum for the day. Daily word count. I don't do that, but it works really well for a lot of authors. But I do, because I am notorious and I write fiction with a little bit of historical slants into it, I'm notorious for getting sucked down the research rabbit hole. Oh, yeah. So what Freedom has helped me do is I keep the internet off 
if I find that there's something I need to research, I make a note in Scrivener um, under the, the pane, the inspector pane, I think they call it, and then go back to it after I've accomplished writing it because I set usually freedom so that I don't get have access to the internet, to social media. So it's great. I mean, at first I was very resistant, resistant to using it. Um, but it helps me stay on track even doing my research um, as well. Yeah. So I, I think it's a it's a good tool. There's many of them out there, but we use Freedom. Asana now, just real quick though, yeah. Asana is free, but they it depends on how many users and projects you have going on. Yeah, so but if you're just tracking But if you're one, just doing like one or two, or I have like two or three people on your Account to help you know that you want to share your your writing with, then it is free. But I love Asana. You're addicted to it. You're constantly not. sending me tasks in it. Yeah, I can set up tasks for you, which I love doing. I and uh, we track all of our submissions using Asana too. We were using Authors.me, and unfortunately, that kind of fell apart for us. But now we've started tracking our submissions, so our associate Nick um, gets all of our submissions that come into our submissions inbox. And he puts them on uh, Sana and assigns them to the person that they're coming to. So if the submission comes into me, I automatically see I have a submission and we can read it very quickly. We can attach, he attaches the query or the first 15 pages if, if people follow instructions mm -hmm. um, in the submission guidelines and attach their first 15 pages. And then we can very quickly go through um, twice a week, look at our submissions, um, send out, you know, the big ask and ask for more, or we do a quick follow-up with people and tell them, you know, why we're passing and, and offer them bits of advice on how to improve their query letters or their first 15 pages. So it really does help move projects along very, very quickly. Um, but And so that's, you know, for, for the organizing your writing. Those are some yeah. great ways for organizing your writing. But now we're, we want to talk a little bit about... Oh, um, I want to talk about red. Oh, Sorry. yeah, you want to talk Sorry. about red. Yeah, squirrel. <laughs> <laughs> um, a new tool that I recently discovered because I, I was having a conversation with a writer who was telling me that, you know, they, they, they can't type as fast as their thoughts come and, and what are some tips. So I said, well, what are some tips for, you know, organizing your thoughts or driving? And, and I discovered a... Tool. It's an app, but also a website called Rev, rev.com. And, you know, I'm writing is not something that's hard for me. I can sit down and, and just write, but I realize that sometimes ideas strike you, and I'm notorious for recording them on my iPhone and then never going back and, you know, copying them down. But Rev is a dictation app. You can have it on your phone. You speak your ideas, you can speak a chapter, whatever it might be if you're work, doing nonfiction or if you're about to do a, a seminar or speaking and you know that you want that content um, to have for potentially your book or your a blog, um, you speak into rep.com, record it, and then you, from the app you can send it directly to um, their main facility, their, and they use actual humans to dictate your recordings. That's great. Transcribe, thank yeah. you. Not your dictate. Yeah, I'm dictating, they're transcribing. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't had enough coffee. I haven't had lunch yet either, so I'm getting yeah. a little bit foggy. Um, so usually we eat before we do a podcast. Today we didn't. So it's great because they clean up all of the ums and the thes, and it's very reasonable, whereas a lot of transcription services 
are done by machines. So as another tool for your writing, I think it's important to consider all options, and Rev.com is definitely one I would recommend. I think it's important, you know, as, a, as new writers and also as established writers, um, find the tools that work best for you. I mean, Laura and I are constantly experimenting with things. And, you know, we might try it out. I Like, I tried Freedom for a couple of weeks, and then I shared it with her. She might... She tried Rev and then she shared it with me. So we go back and forth with these things. And some of the things that she likes, I don't use. Some of the things that I use regularly, Laura doesn't use. But try them because it can improve your writing. It can cut down on you know the time that you're spending to do some of the, the writing tasks. Um, don't be afraid to get out there and see what's available and give it a shot. You might not like it, but it's okay and it's part of being a professional writer is, is finding out what tools are available. And then there's the tool that we've talked about a million times, and we, we, we can't stop talking about it. Yeah, the story grid. And, and this isn't necessarily a, you know, it's not a software where you're going to write. It's not, it's not a writing um, tool in the sense it's a story tool. Yeah. And I think you know, whether you write nonfiction or fiction, we've talked about the story grid a lot. And because we believe in it, and we don't get paid. Yeah, we don't. We don't. <laughs> but you know, Sean, Sean, if you and Tim would like to pay us, we would be happy to take a, a royalty for the story grid <laughs> because we talk about it a lot. <laughs> but you know, we believe in it. We do. We run um, story. We run stories through the story grid when our clients' manuscripts. If we're considering um, taking on a client and we like the story, but you know, want to assess it for its viability and structure will often run it through the story grid. And we really, really, really recommend that yeah. if you are a serious writer who wants to be traditionally commercially published, and even if you're self-publishing, I mean, the story yeah. grid is phenomenal. I think it's phenomenal. It's and, and you'll go to this, storygrid.com. Sean has tons of free downloads. He has a great podcast that he does with Tim Grawl. Um, can't say enough good things about them as agents. We, you know, we, we really love getting stories that are, you know, well polished and structured, and the story grid will definitely get you on your way. Yeah, and you know, I think the the story grid podcast is an important tool it, for absolutely. writers. Um, I would, it, it's a for me, it was a little slow to get started. Sorry, Tim and Sean, but they kind of had to get into their groove. Um, but I would start with podcast number one and work my way through because even if There's you're a nugget in every everyone, single one, even as agents, we yeah. just we love, love, love. Which is, I, we'll walk into the office and see each other the day after the podcast comes out and go, did you hear, did you hear, yeah. did you hear this part? And if you don't have a lot of experience with publishing, Sean gives great insight into yeah. the behind the scenes of the publishing world and so you'll learn a lot, not just about writing, but just about publishing. And, and being an informed and educated writer is important in this process. It makes, makes you professional. professional. Yeah. And we say that over and over. Be yeah. professional. So, yeah. and like I said, it's, it's cheap. The book's cheap. The podcast's free. The website resources are free. So there's no excuse. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So um, a, a tool that I love, 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 and I use it for everything. I use it for research, to kind of corral my research. I use it to track ideas, I use it for everything, um, is Evernote. Evernote is free. Um, if you start with it, just their basic service, it's absolutely free. And for most people, the basic service is more than enough. It's a notebook 
and note card based system. So it allows you to set up notebooks, which is kind of your bigger container. And then within each notebook, you can set up note cards um, and you can track everything. You can track ideas, you can track websites that are helpful, you can track, um, uh, you know, you put links in, you can drop photos, photos, media, everything. Set tasks. Yeah, you can set tasks that you grocery list. Best. I use it, I'm telling you, I use this thing for everything. So I have- And you can share your notebooks yeah. with others. Like we have some joint notebooks for Row that we use yeah. that you'll put something in and I'll take a peek at it. We're moving more towards everything Asana, but we still like yeah, I still, Evernote. Well, for example, I have in um, Evernote a notebook on conferences, writing conferences, literary conferences, and uh, contests that are coming up, um, journals that are accepting submissions. And so I have a note for each contest, literary contest. Um, it allows you to tag the date. So I have everything is tagged by date, by the type of contest, when it starts, when it ends. So when, some, when one of our authors says, you know, I have this piece and I'd like to submit it somewhere, I can quickly go through that database, and it really is an established database now on Evernote, and say, okay, well, here are the top five um, literary journals I would submit to, and here are some great contests that your piece would fit with. So um, take a look at Evernote. It takes a little while to get used to it and to get cranking on it, but it's quite robust. Yeah, it really is. And, and I know there it, it integrates with Lot so many. Of, other, I'm constantly yeah. seeing, you know, Evernote integration. I don't use it as much as you do, but I do really like it, and it has a great app. And so definitely, you know, and, and this kind of and I, it's cloud based, so you can yeah, you yeah. do it on your phone, you can do it on your iPad, you can do it on your computer, you know. So it's it travels with you, which makes it really useful too. Well, I think you know a lot of this that we're talking about when we talk about tools for writing really transition well into tools for querying. Yeah. And I might think about how, you know, we, we did a blog post on Query Tracker. A very extensive blog post. About blog post last week on Query Tracker. Yes, and, and there are a few query softwares out there, query tracking software out there. Many of them are more for magazine and, and publications, you know, literary publication type submissions. But Query Tracker is, is really geared towards finding agents that can match, you know, your, your genre, your book, your, you know, you get in-depth information and links as to any info on them on the internet. You can see what other people, the point is it's a community as well, not necessarily a social community, but the point is to track your submissions um, with, you know, the dates of submissions and get feedback so that other people can understand that, well, maybe this agency takes on average six months to get back to you or three weeks or they're known for giving feedback or not. So we really like Query Tracker, and, and it is you know, $25 a year. It, it's so nominal. It's so nominal. But you know, if you don't want to do that route, you could use Evernote. You yeah. could use Asana. Again, we use Asana to track our you know, agency submissions. You could do that very easily with your agent submissions, because I will say that we will often, more often than I'd like to see is, we get submissions that are like, dear agent, dear sir, and quite frankly, I mean, to me, that tells me that that's not someone who's not professional, not tracking their submissions or doing blanket submissions. So keep yourself organized, be professional, and track your responses and use a tool like Query Tracker or Evernote or Asana to do so. Yeah, and you know, it's, it, 
it is not um, recommended that you follow up three, you know, three weeks a month, you know, with the agents because we're all reading and we're reading as, as quickly as we can. Some agents respond, we try to respond no later than three to four weeks. Right. Over the summer, we may have been a little bit we're catching up, lagging with that, but we're catching up. Um, some agents do just flat out don't respond. So mm -hmm. sending a response is not necessarily a great thing to an agent. Uh, but having said that, if you send out a query and you have another agent who requests, you know, a full read and then wants to to um, to take on your work, then it's always a good idea to follow up with other agents and say, you know, I have some interest by, you know, from one or two other agents, and I just wanted to let you know, and I'm considering signing with someone. Um, and if you haven't tracked those queries, then it's impossible to do that. Mm -hmm. And you're really, you're jumping at the, the one agent that said yes, when you might have the opportunity to get your work in front of three or four agents, right? Because, you know, if I have a query that's, you know, there's, sometimes I read queries in a, almost like two or three step process. I do a quick zip through um, as I'm trying to get myself updated on queries and I may flag it. I definitely want to read this or I want, want to read the first 15 pages or, you know, there's different levels that we have. So if you get a quick turnaround response and say to me, hey, so-and-so is has asked for a full manuscript request, that tells me, okay, I either need to jump on this or I need to tell you, you know, it's not for me. I need to let it go so that you can now focus on that other agent. Um, you know, don't, someone asked me this, but doesn't everybody just tell you that they have another agent interested to get you to, to jumpstart, you know, looking at their query? And my advice is no, don't do that because we it, can tell. Well, it also may just make me say, you know, I really, I wish I had the time to yeah. respond quicker, but I don't because I have three submissions going out to editors that I have to focus on. So I'll just say, you know what, this it's not meant to be, and I'll pass. So don't risk losing an agent by doing that. So I'm yeah. going to trust that you, you're going to do the right thing and that if you really genuinely have a bite on your query, um, that you share that with the agents you you submitted to. Yeah, but if you're not tracking who you've sent to, yeah, you won't be able to do that. Then you'll never be able to do that. The other thing is too, like if you decide to use Evernote to track your queries as opposed to, you know, like Query Tracker, one of the things that that I would highly recommend you do is Google the agent. You mm -hmm. know, find out what books they're doing. Find, listen to interviews. We have an editor that we um, got connected with because I found a. Uh, she wasn't someone we knew personally. She wasn't someone we had a connection to or had met. But I found a YouTube video where she did a talk at one of her local bookstores and listened to her YouTube video. And I thought, oh, my God, this woman, I love her. I want to work with her. Mm -hmm. And so we got in contact with her that way. And she came onto our radar screen through the YouTube video. Yeah, so, it's no different for agents. Yeah, no so different. look into people, find out who they are, and then when you do sit down to write that query letter, you'll have more knowledge to write from. So when someone sends us a query letter and says, um, I see that you love YA novels and we don't represent YA novels, then I immediately know that person has not done their homework. Yeah, and we want to work with professionals. Yeah. You know, we promise to be a professional for you we hope and expect that you're going to be a professional for us. And if you've started a query, the first part of the process by 
you know, making a mistake such as that or calling us sirs, then we know <laughs> we're like, wait a minute, that's, that's like a tick off the not professional box. Yeah. So build your database. Build your database of potential agents either using a tool like Query Tracker or Evernote and make sure you're targeting your agents really, really carefully. And I know we say that a lot, but we but do it because it's incredibly important. And every day we get queries that happen, so that's why. Yeah. Say it over and over. Yeah. But we know you're all professionals. So um, moving from there, we go into, and this is a tool that's more for agents, I would say. Some people do put their queries up. There is a, a place that um, writers can put their queries up, but I don't really go, we don't go there. But yeah. I, I know writers are on there because I remember early, early on, like, one of our very first queries yeah. was came from, from, came through Publishers Marketplace, yeah. which is what. And Publishers Marketplace is really a database more for um, agents to connect with editors. It, it's a, a tool where we can go in and see what books have been optioned, which uh, publishers are taking on books. We can look at the deal itself. If that information is available, we know which editors are working with which agents. It's really an insider's tool. It's a little pricey. It's $25 a month. Um, but it is where a lot of industry news, because yeah. there's many facets to Publishers Marketplace. There's Publishers Weekly. There's a digital print. There's a yeah. physical print. It is definitely more of a of an industry um, site and, and publication. But again, you know, I've been, you know, was so a, we I were was, doing it from the beginning. Yeah, we, yeah. Well, when we were just writers, we were. I mean, I just I always track the business, so I I think writers should too. I mean, yeah. I think so. If you can't afford it. You should at least be on their newsletters. Um, I think they have several free newsletters, but that is an option to use Publishers Marketplace. Not all agents and not all editors track their deals either. Right. So that's the other thing. So it's not a comprehensive, it's not 100% comprehensive as far as this is what everybody's doing, um, but it will give you an overall view of what is happening in publishing. The other thing that we're seeing happening a lot on Publishers Marketplace that, that I'm really excited about is... Um, some of the smaller presses mm -hmm. are now starting to put their deals up yeah. on Publishers Marketplace. So where we might, and this is part of our process, we go on Publishers Marketplace, we see which editors are doing what, you know, taking on what types of books so that we can kind of gauge whether a book we have is right for their list. And now we're starting to see those smaller publishers enter the, that conversation. And that's really, I think, a big, huge step forward. Yeah, I agree. So um, just while we've been talking about, and Laura's actually way better at this than I am, um, another big tool that we use, and she's the one that I typically do the, the digital stuff and do all the reading of the digital newsletters, but Laura reads magazines. <laughs> she loves magazines. I'm she, a magazine fanatic. Yeah, so you subscribe to a bunch of different writing magazines. Let's see, The Writer, Writer's Digest, Poets and Writers, uh, I get the physical copy, copy of Publishers uh, Weekly, Weekly. Yeah. and uh, oh my gosh, I, I have so many, and then I do every newsletter. I, I really love physical magazines, I'm a very physical magazine person, and um, so yeah, I mean, I just, I read, you know, the bottom line is read as much as you can, I mean, I, I add that to my reading list of a nightstand that probably has 30 books piled and a Kindle that's overflowing, but you know, I always do a skim of what's going on in the business. And 
And, and yeah, so between the two of us, that's, we yeah. keep that covered. But I think, again, authors, you know, writers should be doing that. doesn't matter whether you're fiction or nonfiction, you know, and follow other, other writers. We've talked about that, too. Yeah. Professional yeah. writers you admire. So. These are all part of your um, professional writing toolkit, is magazines, um, you know, online services. There's all kinds of great newsletters online, all kinds of really good writing blogs. And we'll put some of those in the show notes. Um, so that you'll know some of these tools that we're using, some of the resources that we go to. And if, um, if, you, if you're curious, you can always go to our blog and you can always go to our Facebook page. Go join our Facebook page because I put a lot you of... You do. You're great about that. really post heavily in Facebook when I come across an article that I think is important for readers, um, for, for the writing community, I repost it in Facebook. So if you want to join our Row Literary Facebook page, that's a great place to tap into some of these resources. And something that we're adjusting on our website is the ability for you to, to comment and share your resources. We're working on that. Um, and we would love, you know, as we wrap up this podcast, we would love for you to share with us in the community the tools that you find helpful in your writing process, whether it be from the idea to, you know, uh, draft it done, you know, yeah. figure it out, what, you know, share with us what it is that has helped you and that you, and when you find something new, share it with the community. That's the way we all find out about it. So we've talked a lot about tools that we use for writing and, and the assumption is we're talking about writing books. And now we just want to shift a little bit and talk about tools that are out there if you want to do more short form writing. Mm -hmm. um, we have a number of, of authors, um, that are our clients that are now, you know, they're doing the, the book and they came to us as, as book authors and now they're getting, developing this real interest in writing articles. So we came across some tools that are great if you are doing, um, you know, more short form writing. One is Duotrope and what Duotrope does is it tracks all the uh, mainstream um, magazines and literary journals. And it gives you access to those editors. So you put your profile up and you uh, put your submission up online and then editors can go through that database and say, I want to look at, you know, read this submission or that submission. They also um, put out a really good newsletter that lets you know upcoming issues. If there's going to be a special issue, there's one on women in war, there's one on fear, there's an, a special issue coming up soon um, in one of their journals on, uh, one of the journals that's a, a member of Duotrope on pain. So if you have a particular article that you want to write or you want to see if there's a, a special journal or a special issue coming up you can target, you can become a member of Duotrope and you get access to all of that. And then there's Writer's Database and Sonar, and they all do basically the same thing. And they're a little different. Yeah, a little different. There's some smaller publishers on there as well. Um, but basically, these are, are great resources for um, short-form writing. So if you want to write articles um, and get your, you know, really build a following, it's a great way to build a following. Um, Huffington Post is another great place to do. You don't get paid, but it builds, it helps you really build a following. Um, Elephant Journal, Salon. There's some great resources out there, and these are these are good ways to get started in that short form writing. And it's important to, as you 
head into publication to have various examples of your writing. You know, if you're writing fiction, having a huge platform isn't as important, so, but you still being out there and having exposure is fantastic. I don't want to forget to mention real quick because as we zip through tools for querying, agentquery.com. Oh, yeah, really yeah. great, great website. Yeah. So, um, you know, again, share with us the tools that you love um, and that you have experience with or that you've heard of um, over on our Facebook page, on our blog, we're on Instagram, we're on Twitter. <laughs> you can get us pretty much anywhere. Uh, we, do, we do practice what we preach. We tell people you've got to be on social media. So thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed our podcast, please leave us a great review on iTunes and subscribe. And uh, if you found this podcast helpful, we want you to share the love. Pass it on to other writers who might need some of these tools. Thanks. We'll talk to you next month.